Fatback Double Feature. Ah, shit, sir. Two friends, two movies, and too much to drink. I'm Travis, and I'm Nathan. Hey, there you guys are. It's an Eddie Murphy double feature as the guys get reacquainted with an oldie and stir it up with an all-time favorite. It's 48 Hours and Beverly Hills Cop join our intrepid duo. It's Six Pack Double Feature. You can put six packs of soda in here. The song is growing on me. It's funky as shit, man. <laughs> I love it. I just don't like where it came from. <laughs> A knockoff of Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah. How oh, you been? I've been good. What has it been? Uh, About 90 days since... <laughs> uh, it's only been a week since you've heard uh, our Pulp Fiction and uh, Taxi Driver, and taxi driver <clears throat> episode with uh, brain detail specialist Jimmy James. Jimmy but, James, uh, but yeah, to you and me, Russ, it's been uh, it's been a, a three month quarantine period. Yeah, again, just like we did with the uh, I don't even know where it exists in the space of time, and it'll be the fall. Space. Probably hearing this. Well, this, yes. but when you guys are going to hear later in our pick six season. <laughs> In 2021, we're going to have a similar episode <laughs> where, where we, we kind of where we've been derailed divided, there too. We've been divided by quarantine <laughs> and are drinking the same beer. So, uh, kudos if you've made that correlation. <laughs> <laughs> it is six pack double feature. I am not Jerry. <laughs> I am not Bill. <laughs> yeah, not you'll have to listen to next season to get that joke. I'm not Nathan, and I am not Travis. And um, I'm not Bill either. No, nor am I Jerry. Today I'm drinking uh, a summer uh, canned special Narragansett lager beer. It's my favorite. Mm. I've, it's, last it's, few years, it's it's really grown on me. It's the official unofficial it. beer of Six Pack Double Feature. Hashtag official unofficial beer of Six Pack Double Feature. That's a really long hashtag. Until they tell us to stop. <laughs> um, hey, neighbor. Narragansett. beer. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. It was fun. It was a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I barely remember recording it. <laughs> <laughs> but I barely remember recording the intro to this episode, um, which today is what, Nathan? 48 Hours and Beverly Hills Cop. It's an Eddie Murphy double, double feature. feature. Well, let's kick it off with a uh, old school trailer, shall we? The boys are back in town. <laughs> and last week, in special sneak previews... America discovered them in 48 hours. Nick Nolte is a cop. You're still a lowlife. Eddie Murphy is a con. Yeah, but I look good. They're here just in time for the holidays. In 48 hours. Y'all be cool. Rated R. Coming soon to a theater near you. Sorry about that. So I didn't know it was a holiday movie. It was a December movie. So Uh, most of your holidays. Kwanzaa, your Hanukkah, Christmas. The yeah. Festival of Goatskin or Satanists? I don't know if I would consider it a holiday movie. It just released in December. But no, 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 no. I'm not saying it's an unofficial Christmas movie. Right, because it's not. No, not at all. Not at all. Up until today, for this viewing, I had seen this movie once. I've seen it two times now. Uh, same. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it twice. Probably won't watch it again. Same. <laughs> so let's talk about Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> Q trailer. I didn't hate this movie. But I I remembered almost nothing about it, other than it was a little racist, a little on the racist side by today's standards, even probably by 1980 standards. Yeah, was it uh, 80? 
It was an 80, 82. 82, yeah. Okay. It was 82. Same year as Blade Runner. Was, this was... This was on a lot of critics' top like ten lists, apparently, and it was very well received critically, and it did well in the box office. But I think a lot of that had to do with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yeah, uh, it was a different. It was definitely a different time. So, the first thing that really caught my attention, and it took almost twenty five minutes to get there because you had to wait for Eddie Murphy to show up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's great, but he has one of the best fuck you deliveries. Well, go ahead. Fuck you! It's, <laughs> and part of it's the reverberation. Thanks, Eddie. You know, oh, in, totally. in, in yeah, the prison. Yeah. yeah. His character in this is a little darker than Axel is. Yeah. A little more, not juvenile, but a little less in control. Yes. Like Axel, and we'll talk about Axel later, but Axel is like, Axel's a great character. He's always one step ahead. Even when yeah. he's a step behind, he's still a step ahead. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Uh, Reggie is... Uh, Axel's proactive. Reggie's reactive. Reggie can only be reactive in this movie. <laughs> <He's>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's the the only time he's proactive is when he gets uh, separated from Jack Cates. So, and then eventually calls back, you know, and, and gets back with Jack, you, you know? You know that scene where Nick Nolte's, or when Jack's pouring the, the whiskey into his coffee? Do you think Nick Nolte knew he was on camera? <laughs> or that cared? Was, well, that's, that's one of the, the first things I actually wrote down here was I have a hard time uh, believing that a potentially hungover Nick Nolte would have been able to be awoken by a teeny tiny uh, alarm clock on his <laughs> on his digital phone. Or not phone, excuse me, digital watch. Digital phone the size of a car battery in 1982. Right. But it, all you hear is this... And he just kind of rolls out of it. I'm like, no, 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 something else. He's got to wake him up from <laughs> how much he's Bong. taking. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's almost like a white bunk from The Wire. Oh, God, uh, Jimmy. Oh, he kind of is. I never thought about it like that. Just oh. not as good. Nowhere near as good. And before I even get to it, I don't know that I, I did it for recasting, but the guy that played Bunk would have been a great, oh. would have been a great recast for Jack. Yeah, in this it would have been would have taken the race thing out of it, mm-hmm. maybe. But um, one of the things I've kind of I've always missed with newer films that you watch is the opening credits are actually linked to an opening scene that tells what's going on. Now this one's not as involved as others can be. It's like a, it's but almost th- like a Bond cold open. Yeah, but you know, it's a little this more is, directly. This is how what was his name? Gans gets out. Oh yeah, you know, on the chain gang. Dick. Yeah, from Sex in the City. Right. It's just, but it, but it's fun to watch just that progression of there's a meaning to this opening scene, and we're just going to play the credits over so top of it. In that opening scene, when. Um, I forget his character's name, but it's it's Billy from Predator, Sonny Landham. It's Billy as well. His name is Billy Bear in this movie. You don't think a prison guard would have shot him or something for punching another convict, like starting a fight? On you don't the, on think the that they would have pushed him way off of whatever was going on? Like, there's two guys with shotguns? Yeah. And a whole mess of convicts that aren't secured in any way shape or form and they have blunt weapons yeah and they start a you know they start a riot basically they start right. a fight and you're not gonna you're not even gonna pop one off into the air 
this movie no. for me is a lot like Dragnet was. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get that out of the way. Okay. It it goes between like this could have just been a, a decent crime movie, like it's the cop movie, mm-hmm. with some elements of humor. Right. Or it could have been a funny movie that was also a cop movie, and it it it, it goes back and forth. It doesn't know. What it doesn't. It, it doesn't. By by today's standards, it doesn't know what it is. Now, I was way too young to have known what it. What the what the climate was or whatever in 1982, for you know how this would have played. But mm-hmm. I feel like it was fucking Eddie Murphy's first movie. Eddie Murphy's big shit. Yeah, it's it was be, a big movie for him. And there's some there's some funny jokes in it, but yeah, uh, he was almost Han Solo. Nick Nolte was almost Han Solo. Motherfucker is almost nine feet tall. No, there's Han Nolo. Han Nolo. Hashtag Han Nolo. <laughs> Uh, I just don't understand the appeal of Nick Nolte. Not really. Same. I'm not a female from the 70s. Maybe there is a different type of sex appeal. God damn. Yeah, I just, I've never completely grasped. I've liked him in, and liked movies that he's been in, but there's never been a draw. For oh, oh Nick was, Nolte's new movies coming out, blah blah blah. Yeah, I was maybe gonna see Pulp Fiction, but then I saw Nick Nolte was in it, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, Nick Nolte's in Pulp Fiction. I have to see that." Yeah, no one's ever said anything like that. <laughs> no one. You watch ever a movie and you go, "Oh, Nick Nolte's in this." Uh, What's it about? Well, I got a couple hours to kill. <laughs> Mulholland Falls. It's a great movie, in spite of Nick Nolte being in it. I like. I like. Um... Uh, Scorsese's Cape Fear. He's the he's. The, I didn't know Scorsese did that. Yeah, that explains why De Niro's in it. Yeah, with the tattoos of what is it, Kool Aid? <laughs> it was something that uh, uh, he took like was, actual tattoos, yeah, but they, they dis- yeah, but it they was, disappeared yeah, after about ink. nine to twelve months because De Niro is dedicated and is yeah not Nick Nolte, <laughs> and in a good way. I've I've also discovered that... This is our new segment of shitting on Nick Nolte. <laughs> Join us next week when we talk about The Empire Strikes Back and we shit on Nick Nolte for no reason. Um, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized how much I don't... Not that I don't like James Horner. I still like James Horner as a composer for films, but I, I already knew how much he ripped himself off. And when I first started watching this, I was like, wow, this is this doesn't sound like James Horner. <laughs> it does. It, it didn't. Not compared to his his older, not older material, but his newer material for other films. But I was listening to this, and then it sounded kind of familiar. And I discovered that he sampled himself like just three years later for two different, like for another movie. What did he? What so I have two drops. Let's play the first one. What's this from? This is from the movie. 48 hours. This is 48 hours. But you hear the steel drums, and you hear the saxophone. Saxophone is pointless at this moment. Could be called saxophone, because I I like this. I like this as well. What's funny, though, is he can't leave well enough alone just for a movie. He's like, you know what? I really liked the steel drums. (laughs) I like those timpanis. So, uh, is it steel drums, or is it, what is it called? Is that what it's oh, called? Oh, kettle drum, steel drum. Whatever. Yeah. I like that sound. I'm going to reuse it in another little movie, action movie, called Commando. It's for fucking Commando? Yeah. 
now he's the one you finger banged at the video. No, 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 no. The Whittier no, he, Best Buy. He finger banged me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. Did you tell him how much you liked his timpani work? Yes, it was amazing. Timpanic work. No, that's but like the same. He plagiarizes himself so much. I didn't realize he did it that early. But I mean, I mean, good artists borrow, great artists steal, perfect artists steal from themselves. Is that masturbation? Yeah, I it's kind of it's. Audible. What a jerk like, off! <laughs> it just it it lowered my like I my mean, like of to I a mean, degree. Danny Elfman sounds like Danny Elfman every time. Yeah. I can, there, I'm I sure can, there are more perfect examples. And you're more of a score guy, so I can probably forgive it a little more easy than you. But that's, right. that's but it's pretty straightforward. That's <laughs> <laughs> that thing I use for uh, 48 hours. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to add some more synth bass to it, speed it up a little bit, and move mm-hmm. it up a key. I'm going to remove the sax, a saxophone, yeah. and then we'll be good to go. Uh, Arnold, pop that shirt off. Here we go. <laughs> is there something apart from that that doesn't work for you <laughs> for 48 hours? Well, number one. Everyone had revolvers throughout that entire hotel shootout. <laughs> Together, mm-hmm. they fired off at least 45 rounds without ever reloading. Yeah, that bothers me a little. I, I like a little more authenticity with the realism of... And it's kind of intense. That shootout, that, that shootout scene throughout the hotel is pretty intense, but it was, I, I purposefully backed it up and... Counted. Started counting as co- as well as I could how many times they fired off and not one shot of them ever putting in that's speed the benchmark folks. or anything else. That's the benchmark of six pack double feature dedication, you guys. <laughs> At we least will rewind and count bullets. Shots forty five. This movie does not like women or people black of people. Color. Yeah, anybody. People, yeah, it's because they refer to uh, Billy as the Indian throughout the entire. They just slap you. Look, like Tasha Yar, they just slap her around with her side boob. Yeah. What was her roommate? They were just like, hey, they were just who? Chicks don't hang out in their underwear like that. Yeah. Uh, what I put, what I put. I down wish here, they did, but they don't. I, I said Reggie being called a boy, a watermelon, a colored, darker people, oh. a spear chucker, and the N word, all by Jack. Yeah. Before they have the fight. The fight's my favorite scene. Yeah. I said, I guess this level of racism was okay back in 82. It must have been. I, I can't imagine like a studio executive going, can you dial up the racism a little bit? You really know, just pound I'm, into his head that he is black he's, he's and a he black is, guy. I'm just trying to keep you down. I'm like, I, I think he was almost, do you think they were trying to pull the, the way Dirty Harry was where he said all that racist shit? But you knew he smirked, and you knew he was kidding. It was a non-verbal cue yeah, that you knew the, he was being. The tone is different. The tone here is just fucking mean, man. No, you're absolutely right. You could, you could tell the difference between Dirty Harry and and, and Jack. You don't Cates really this. like either one of them, but you really fucking don't, don't like, like Jack, Jack. Cates. Yeah, uh, the fight is my favorite scene because uh, Reggie fucking owns his ass, and Jack's old, fat, out of shape ass has to resort to throwing. Trash cans and debris. Yeah, and shit he's a dirty him. fighter. Yeah, he's a dirty fighter. And it, maybe we're overthinking it in a 2020 kind of state of mind. No, I think that's supposed to be that scene was supposed to be the equalizer. Like, okay, yeah, he's an old racist piece of shit, and this guy is a young Spitfire and can whip his ass. So his racism is negated by the fact that he's actually an equal. But I don't know, man. No, I'm it just doesn't. It doesn't play well. Spoilers. No. It doesn't hold up either. Yeah. Uh, the second thing, or the third thing that I put down for what doesn't work is like a close second, 
uh, or close third, is the overall treatment of women, whether it's the cons on the run or if it's Jack Cates who's willing to pretty much choke out a bitch just to find out where uh, <laughs> Billy uh, Billy Bear is or whatever. Um, the fights still felt a little stilted. Like okay. they should have rehearsed it about three more times and then shot it. Also, Eddie Murphy's stunt double does not look like Eddie Murphy. Looks like he's got about 35, 40 pounds on Eddie Murphy. And at least 20 to 30 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Keith David. And then the bad plot point was why was Reggie's car uh, in the parking garage for that long? He wanted to get his money, right? Sure. Okay, if Luther already had the keys to Reggie's car, um, why didn't he just go and take the money like two years ago? Go on, take the money and run? Yeah. I, I think it, it feels like a a poor decision on Luther's part that he doesn't want to get the car. And he, if he knows where the money is, why wouldn't he have done it before all of this shit went down? Maybe he would think it would incriminate him? I don't know. But Something else that jumped out at me is like, they don't change clothes for two days. Reggie or Jack, they don't change clothes for two days. It's just two days. That, that's, of running and that's sweating. A, that's and, a long amount of days and to it's not a change lot of, clothes. And it's a lot Underwear, of, wash your balls, scratch your balls. It's a lot of driving out in the open because it's convertible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gross. Your hair is going to smell bad. It's going to be bugs in your teeth and shit. No, it's weird. That doesn't work for me either. A lot of people credit this as one of the first buddy cop movies. Now I have that as well. Now... It's misnomer the, or, or whatever it's the first because they're not cops but what it is is it's taking two polar opposite characters and adding one more polar opposite by being definitely the first black cop white cop yeah except he's not a cop he's not a cop but, but he basically they're paired is. together and they have to solve something Correct. and come to a realization it's the that, first modern black guy white guy buddy cop kind of movie i'll tell you one thing has Lana Lang looked any hotter than in this movie? Nope. <sighs> I feel like her character like got left on the cutting room floor. We, we were. Talking, I did a, I, like a little I bit of trivia. Do, I had to do a little bit of reading because we were. I forgot she was in this until we were talking while the trailer was playing, and I fucking forgot she was in this. Yeah. Um. Apparently, in some of my trivia, I think one of the things was is that um the original cut for Walter Hill her role was significantly larger and then Feels the like final it. cut took most of her out which felt pointless which puts her in underwear and a scantily buttoned uh, yeah. oxford shirt yeah um and then what a phone call maybe two uh, between it was, it was two yeah yeah where she delivers the other really good fuck you <laughs> to jack jack yeah after she sat on hold for too long and then he gets on the phone and then realizes some sort of plot moving device. Yeah, he's going to run out the office like, hey, your girl's still on hold. And that's when he comes back. And then that's when she delivers the fuck you part. I just feel like there's no purpose to her character because of how much they cut out. Other than just being something else to anchor him to some other part of his life. Right. That's that's just to show that he has some other facet of his life that he's also fucking he's terrible still... at. When was the last time you uh, have heard anybody refer to uh, getting laid by getting some trim? <laughs> So, odd that you mentioned that. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Friend of the show, Travis Stevick, out of the blue, texted me, I don't know, five, six years ago. He was at a show somewhere in Portland, and he said, in his text, man, comma, there is a lot of trim in here. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is currently still a saying around our household Okay. Today. So if one of us goes like, 
like I don't know if Jamie or I are tired after a day of work, and we one of us goes like, "Man," and a pause goes for too long. The other one fills it in with, "There's a lot of trim in here." <laughs> That's I the kinda, only other time I've ever heard. I kind of like it because it, unless you're in on what it is, other people around you may not understand what you're talking about. It's such a, rather than like, saying there's a lot of pussy around here, just doesn't it, does it doesn't it, fly as the same as saying trim. It makes it seem a little like okay, if you call it pussy when you're in seventh grade, right? You call it trim when you're like a high school? sophomore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It makes it a little more. I don't want to say elevated because it's not. It's not means, elevated. But, no, but it's an old school like. Yeah, man, I'm chasing the trim it's, around this summer. It's not classy, but it's not not classy. Man, you still, <laughs> man, you still dating Darlene? Nah, man, we split up. I'm just chasing the trim around this year. You know. <laughs> I'm going to chase the trim around the pool. <laughs> I also found it frustrating that they couldn't, he couldn't take the time to feed Reggie, give him a meal. Like the only thing he got was a Zagnut candy bar from the vending machine. Oh, wow. Yeah. I also looked up. Zagnuts are still made. I had no idea. I the just, only time I ever see Zagnut, the first thing I think of is Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yeah, have a little night with something to nush. I uh, recently discovered that Payday still exists. But they I've still seen those every once in a while. I, yeah, they're at Ace Hardware. But I've never seen. They're at Ace Hardware. I ate one on Thursday. It's about days. three years expired. <laughs> well, they're uh, Payday Fun Bites now. It's a little bit of like nougat caramel mm-hmm. and Payday Pe- mi- and peanuts on top, right? Yeah, and yeah. then it's mixed in. It, they're broken out into four individual like bite sized things. They're still good. I like them. I like Paydays, but I haven't had them forever. This new section of Six Pack Double Feature <laughs> is called Old Man Snack Food Items. Uh, I like raisins a great deal. How about um, goobers? Oh, <laughs> I care for goobers greatly. Raisinets? Not I don't so like, much. I don't like chocolate with my raisins. They, they I make never me poop. have. They poop too bad. They go right through me. Right through me. <laughs> and this ends our talk on old man candy. Old man movie candy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what did I put down here? Oh, I, I find it very difficult to believe that a country and western bar displaying the confederate flag existed anywhere in downtown san francisco let alone in the 1980s it was so there was a thing in the early 80s called the cowboy craze uh, my dad was uh, he mean he didn't invent it but he was yes. he was a part of it and there was like the urban cowboy that kind of shit uh rodeo culture was <sighs> yeah i get it it was kind it, of there big was like there. it is now but the Confederate flag, San Francisco, that's what uh, I'm talking about. I, I get it, man. And I wasn't about to defend the Confederate flag. In no, I was, I was talking just... about that bar and what it represented in the city of San Francisco is what I found city, difficult. City of Compton. Um, city of Frisco. One of the things that I really enjoyed about the movie, though, the last five to eight minutes where the final shootout kind of in the alley where there's a lot of... Dark and wet, your favorite. Uh-huh. Um, a yeah. lot of back alleyways. How everything is framed. How everything is... Um, like there's a good amount of steam and, you know... Why don't you just t- take the time to grab your beer while I'm talking? I'm listening. <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> why don't you let your headphones get caught on your pop filter how bad, and did, it, how bad did it sound i don't know you'll find out later uh, <laughs> maybe i'll leave it in maybe yeah, i won't, won't. You know? no but i really like how it's a really well framed well crafted the like, shots look really good yeah yeah the all shots the shots look really good yeah 
they look bigger than the movie. I think Gans overacts a little too he, much. I don't like that guy. No, I never have. Either. I mean, he plays a good. You know what he was good at? He was good in Sex in the City. He plays the creepy dad that adopts. Um, what's his name in that show about the serial killer who kills serial killers? Oh, Dexter. Dexter. Thank you. Yeah, that show was good for the first season, and then not. then bad for seven. I thought Jamie liked that show more than she did after we started watching the first season, and I bought her like a couple of seasons on DVD and a few of the books. And she, the, her reaction on her birthday or Christmas or whatever, uh, was, I don't like that show like, as much as you think. She's like, "Oh, thanks," and I was like, "Oh, do you not oh, like that?" And she was her. like, "Yeah, not as much as you, evidently." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh fuck, I'll return these then, and I did, and we got Superman three instead. I don't know. Things have been better ever since. They have. Um. If you could make uh, one change, magic wand, to 48 hours, what would you do? Remove the racist overtones from the film completely and the undertones and all the tones that involve racism. (laughs) While it's used as part of a reason why Jack doesn't like Reggie, the only real reason that that is needed is that Reggie's a con and Jack is a cop. You're a criminal. I uphold the law. That should be enough of a conflict. The fact that they had to throw in all of the racist shit just I makes would, it uncomfortable to watch. It sure does. <laughs> that sure has not aged well. Never has aged well, but it really doesn't you age could, at this moment. I think you could keep some of the racial tension between the two. Yes, but not. But make it a Shane Black movie. Okay, let him have a pass at it. Make it more like uh, I don't want to say Lethal Weapon, but it's all one sided. Also, that's what also makes the racism. The racism is all one sided. There's not. I thought Reggie threw a couple at him. Maybe. I don't know. I'm I mean, not planning I mean, on going back to confirm that. No, same. But I say let Shane Black have a pass at it, and maybe it'll be okay. Well, something they could do, um, take Billy and Gans and flesh them out a little bit. You don't really know They're anything They're very about. one-dimensional. I'm bad guy. I'm a cop killer. I'm, yeah. I'm brown native bad guy. That's <laughs> And that's not how he talks. Dot, dot or feather. <laughs> uh, both, oddly yeah. enough. Um, yeah, uh, flesh them out a little bit. Maybe have a couple of scenes with them with the girls in the apartment. Like, obviously, they were much more interested in shooting cops than um, having sex with the women. Yeah, I don't get much. that. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> they were not interested in trim as much as they were interested in in shooting cops. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's the fact that the movie's almost forty years old and that pacing and stuff was a little different back then. But it feels a little loose. It it's also whole, takes way too long to get to it takes Eddie way Murphy. It's long. almost 25 minutes, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a real Bodie situation, man. Uh, and, you know, if you, if you give it to Shane Black, he's going to turn it into a Christmas movie, too. And that's We need more Christmas action movies. Yeah, we do. Favorite line, favorite scene. Your favorite scene was the fight scene, you said, correct? Correct. I don't have a favorite line. It was just... I, uh, had, two, I had two favorite lines. The first one was, I've been in prison for three years. My dick gets hard if the wind blows. <laughs> and that was Reggie coming when he was taken out of prison for the first time. Uh, the other one was that they had to wait. And so Reggie was going to go take a nap in the back seat. Uh-huh. And he says, Jack, tell me a story. Fuck you. Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one of the best just three-line exchange between the two is just... I think it was ad-libbed? Possibly. That one feels like it was ad-libbed. It may have been. Real sharp, real quick. Um, I didn't have much of a favorite scene, but those are my two kind of favorite lines. 
Let's see here. Oh, let's do a little bit of trivia. I don't have a ton. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Skip and then room. we'll uh, we'll jump down to a few other things before we uh, jump into a much more fun movie. Well, I've got uh, I've got some other things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, all right. So this was Eddie Murphy's feature film debut. Uh, he was 21 at the film's release. God, he doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's 21 in this movie. He he's, seems like at least he's at least 30. He's to me always been beyond his years, man. Well, right. early on, he was beyond his. He years. He was beyond his years. It caught up with him. Now, yeah. Uh, according to Eddie Murphy, he was almost fired for not being funny. He said he was not made aware of this until after the movie had wrapped. <laughs> By the way, did you know we were about to fire you like at least three or four times? Why? Because well, you weren't funny enough. They didn't like, allow him to be funny, though. Yeah. This movie doesn't allow him to he's, be... He's very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not muted. He's... he's um, come on, you know. You know what I'm looking Subdued. for. Subdued. No. Neutered. Castrated. A little castrated. Yeah, that's the word. Thank you. I also have a uh, real quick for you. We're going to be bummed out next half because I also did trivia for 48 hours. <laughs> it's a real diehard situation. Is it? That's okay. That's right. You I don't, don't need rem- to go over your 48-hour trivia now. I don't remember the trivia, so I'll just let you, I'll <laughs> It was let you just go. like, well, you watched this like and a I couple of months ago. I totally won't just read off IMDb next half for, <sighs> for some trivia facts for, for Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> Totally. Uh, the uh, Let's see here. The movie during the late 1970s was, was originally designed as a vehicle for Clint Eastwood. Just to, just to show you, my notes say that I'm supposed to take notes trivia for 48 hours. The red, says, the red T above 48 hours means I do trivia for it. Well, you were wrong. I think you're wrong. Fucko. That's not what I have. <laughs> Because I knew you loved the other movie so much. That's okay. We'll, we'll we'll pull trivia for it. It'll be okay. It'll be fun. <laughs> All of this will be edited out as well. What? Okay. Yeah. So listen, this is the end. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Originally a vehicle for Clint Eastwood uh, and the cop uh, as the cop and Richard Pryor as the con. Um, around this time, Eastwood wanted to play a criminal and turned down the film and went ahead and starred as the con- as a convict in Escape from Alcatraz. Much better movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, the picture then went in uh, to turn around for a time and didn't get back into development for several years. So, Escape from Alcatraz was 1980. Uh, no, it was like 75, 76. No, 1980. All right. Go ahead, Siri. Tell us. Hey, Siri, search IMDb for Escape from Alcatraz. Here's Escape from Alcatraz. 1979. Well, it wasn't 80. <laughs> I knew it was in the 70s. Prison breaks. Prison breaks. <laughs> what else? Siri? Oh, he's escaped from prison, don't you know? <laughs> oh, Faith and Begora. <laughs> uh, the word fuck is used 48 times in various forms during the course of the film, and this appears only to be coincidental. The fucking zoo is closed, Reggie. Uh, the blue Cadillac used in the movie is now owned by Vanilla Ice. <laughs> I wonder if it's... He lives in Spring Hill. Did it's, you know that? No. It's fully restored and painted silver. The garage where Reggie's car is stored is the same garage where Dalton's Mercedes is stored in Roadhouse. That's awesome. I figured you, if you didn't know that one... It, no, I was, like, it looked the same to me. And then your favorite part is the casting. Uh, for Reggie Hammond, the first choice was Gregory Hines. I could so I could totally see that he dropped out due to scheduling conflicts with another film. Other actors considered, was it Running Scared? Uh, no, it was The Cotton Club. Okay. Other actors considered for the role included Richard Pryor, 
the late Howard E. Rollins Jr., which is the guy who plays Mr. Tibbs in the TV version of uh, In the Heat of the Night. Oh, okay. And a young Denzel Washington. Really young. Oh. He was, I think he may have just been getting his start on um, medical show. I can't think of it. Saying elsewhere. Thank you. Denzel, so, see, Denzel would have brought. Would have been funny, but. He could have been funny. Uh, yeah. It would have been it would have been the right amount of funny because this isn't Eddie Murphy. This movie is not Eddie Murphy funny. No, it's not. Not this really. isn't an Eddie. Now it's an Eddie Murphy movie, but back then it was like let's just let's see what this kid can do. But it's let's the great let's, action comedy. Let's keep the let's keep the reins on him. Let's not he's not, let's, let's not have a Gumby skit. You know, I feel like they like you said they castrated him for mm-hmm. this. But Denzel, who's not as, who's not known wasn't definitely wasn't known back then for his comedy chops. I think he could have made this. This would have been a better movie with Denzel, I think. It would have been a little bit more serious because mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been expecting I, big laughs from the boys. That's true. They're back in town. You're not expecting – you're expecting an Eddie Murphy comedy. Yeah. And you're getting castrated Eddie Murphy yeah. comedy. And then for Jack Clark, we have Mickey Rourke. Gross. Sylvester Stallone. Also gross. And Burt Reynolds. All turned down this role. Actually, I go back. Mickey Rourke could have been okay. Burt Reynolds? Mm. Don't. What do you play? Mm. Mickey Rourke, 1982, would have been okay. Burt Reynolds, 82. Virtually unknown in 82, Mickey Rourke, most likely. Yeah. Uh, I, I can see. <laughs> Stallone's the only one that's a little odd to me. Oh, yeah. Well, he's just, he's a big, he was a big name in, in sure. the early 80s. He's big movie star. Regardless who? of what you think. Sylvester who? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris Christopherson Gross. was at one point considered also for the role. No, he could have done it too. Yeah. Jeff well, Bridges. He looked the part. They all looked the part. Bridges was way too young then. He turned down the role of Jack Cates because he didn't want to be in another. He didn't want to be in a cop movie. If you're going to recast this. I have two. I, I have, have two castings. Well, I have. I, I recast the role. I mean the two mains. I mean I have two different types of okay. So, yeah, so do I. You go. You go ahead. Okay. So, so if we're going to keep it the same, I say you cast David Harbor as Jack Cates. Okay. He would work. He he can pull off that Nolte esque vibe that's in that movie. Just yeah, seeing I, his no, you I, know, seeing, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and Reggie Hammond, Terry Crews. <laughs> That fight would go off much different, much more differently <laughs> now, especially so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I were to make it today, I would reverse the roles. Uh huh. And you and I, I have w- done the same thing, right? We just you, you, we, we both chosen for Jack Cates. I would do Will Smith now. Okay. And then Reggie Hammond, I do Ryan Reynolds. Smart ass con. Yeah, no, I get it. I and get it. Will Smith could play the hard ass cop. Okay. I'm gonna. Rewind for real, real quick uh, on the trivia that I totally didn't do for my version of this. Uh, Nick Nolte claims most of the dialogue was improv. Eddie Murphy's probably his. Maybe. Probably not. So uh, recasting. If you just go straight read, you could even even rewind to 1982 and use these both both these guys. Okay. At the same at the in 1982, for Reggie Hammond, 1982 Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, all he right. He was totally unknown. Yeah, but no, I like that. A dark horse, very dark energy, like intense dude. Um, and for Jack, uh, 1982 Harrison Ford. You could also fast forward into like 1990 of both of them. 
Okay. But Sam Jackson, Harrison Ford. That's a straight one-to-one. Yeah. Black guy con, white guy grizzled cop, asshole. To do what you did, swap the genders. <laughs> I had a feeling you might have done this as well. So For Jack? Richard Pryor. <laughs> for Reggie, Gene Wilder? For Reggie Gene Wilder. Because <laughs> there's nothing is better than the two of them. Yeah. It would have made it much more lighthearted, and it would have taken that racism and been funny with it. Like yeah. Like a good-hearted, like, I'm okay, you're okay, you're black, I'm white, we're the, you're the same kind of different as me kind of thing, like they did with all the movies that they did together. Mm-hmm. This is a gritty movie. Like, yes. It truly is. Like yeah. it's, it's way grittier than it is funny. Most people think it's Walter Hill's best picture. And he's sure. done a lot of stuff. He did uh, The Warriors, and he was producer on the first Aliens. He's done some other uh, films. But none of his stuff ever really has... Broke through? Not for me. Yeah. Not for me. He's well known in the industry. Okay. But just... The, most of his films just never hit a mark for... Oh, I want to see what else he's done. I've been indifferent. He kind of came from the 70s up with uh, his films. He was very kind of dark and, and gritty with a lot of his features. So Another bit of trivia that I totally didn't do for this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eddie Murphy was afraid Denise Crosby would hit him with the baseball bat. And after showing him that she could pull the punch. Um, I pulled that piece of trivia out. So I'm She glad totally you fucking that. hit him with the baseball yep. bat anyway. <laughs> she did it to Walter Hill, and she also did it to Nick Nolte going, oh, yeah, I can pull back, and then hit him. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. I love Denise Crosby. Um, similar or equal film? I have down here Midnight Run. That's a great fucking pick that I avoided because I've mentioned it before. And the reason why is, is you have De Niro and Charles Grodin. You remove the racial element and you just have two polar opposite characters thrown together in a surprisingly better film. I mean, it's probably been at least 10 years since I've seen midnight run anyway, but, um, and I've really been itching to want to see it again, but it's same also directed by Martin breast who directed Beverly Hills cop. Okay. So the, the race thing on this is just, I feel like the only reason the race thing exists in this is because they cast Eddie Murphy. Yeah. It was just an added, I, I don't want to say cherry on top, but it's like, oh, we can get a little bit more material by making making one guy black and the other guy a racist. We can get a little bit more dimension to the film. That's the only thing that... That's unfortunate if that was kind of there. Yeah, I I had a hard time thinking that studio executives were like, yeah, this is okay. Really? Do you know what the body count was in this? On with the body count! No. Nine. Seemed like there are more than that. It would. Not, not, huh? Um, does it still hold up? Final thoughts. Uh, this I just put on here. This movie isn't bad. It just isn't necessarily good either. <laughs> <clears throat> it doesn't feel like either character has a huge amount of investment on what's going on, other than being put in a precarious situations. And I have very little sympathy for Jack Cates. Um, yes, there's some chemistry between Nolte and Murphy, but the movie suffers with waiting almost 30 minutes just for Eddie Murphy to show up. Sure. Um, I would have brought him in 15 minutes earlier and while it's credited as one of the first buddy cop genre movies, um, it's nice to know that, uh, they got better as the years passed. I, I agree. I'll be blunt. I don't like this movie. Eddie Murphy is is far too we've said castrated, subdued, underused, whatever you want to say. They don't. That's they another did, good one. Is underused. They did not let him 
fly his full sail. And they're, like you said, their chemistry is, is okay, but Nick Nolte is already in this, I'm too old for this shit mode in, in, in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they're trying to play catch up with each other. Right. Like it's, it's, it's the chemistry is okay, but it's a little off. It's like it needs something. And it needs more Eddie Murphy, is what it needs, mm-hmm. which is what the next movie we're going to talk about. He's in almost every scene. Yeah. And rightfully we'll, so. Well, we'll get there. But like I said earlier, they spend almost no time with Gans or Billy to show like why it's so important. Like the relationship between them and Reggie, like why they. Why did he have to get Reggie out just to figure out where Gans exactly. was going? Yeah. Seems strange. I mean, it, it, we don't have to have a whole lot of connective tissue. Let's just... They know each other. They were in the gang. Reggie was the driver. He did the time. That's all we need to know. Let's right. get to the next. Yeah. What, what about... Just, he's bad. He kills cops. And he doesn't want to fuck Denise Crosby. Is he gay? Shut up. Don't worry. It's, it's, don't worry about it. He likes to watch cartoons <laughs> with a topless girl on bed. Yeah, that's just weird. There's only one fully clothed woman in this movie. I never... She's a cop. Oh. Or a, probably a secretary or receptionist okay. at the cop shop. That's it. But... No, I'm sorry. She's the hotel receptionist. I'm sorry. Um, but there are... Anybody that's not white or male is kind of treated like a lesser creature Person, side of yeah. beef. And like we've said before, we're probably overthinking it. And Jesus, I, I don't mean to be so heavy about this movie, but... That's, that's it doesn't hold up there we go we've graded it <laughs> yeah on that note let's turn the page and get to a, a much more fun movie Eddie Murphy is a Detroit cop on vacation in Beverly Hills how you doing we have six witnesses that say you broke in and started tearing up the place then jumped out the window I'm on vacation Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop, rated R. Starts Wednesday, December 5th at a theater near you. All Eddie Murphy wanted to do was solve his best friend's murder. <laughs> Dude, yeah. that fucking soundtrack thumps. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Soundtrack is yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah, it's so good. Why did they do that in trailers? Was it like, did you just not know who your favorite star was back then? No. It's. I guess not. All Tom Hanks wanted. Eddie Murphy is. Gina Davis wants to go on vacation. Like, I know who's in the fucking movie. That's why I'm here. I want to see Eddie Murphy be a cop. Yeah. A De- Detroit cop. And we did. This movie perfectly demonstrates, nay, documents via film the burnt out Midwestern husk that is Detroit <laughs> today. Yeah. If not in the early 80s. Motor City looks a little rough around the edges in um, 1984 when they shot this. When you rewatched it recently, did you kind of clock the all the extras in the, the truck chase scene? Did I clock it? There, like, just, there was a lot of extras. There was a lot of and extras. And they were clearly there to watch. They were clearly residents. Well, and you, you <laughs> knew, you could tell they were told, like, hey, we're shooting an Eddie Murphy movie here. And like, oh, shit, Eddie Murphy's going to be here. And they were all, like, that. out on the stoop looking for Eddie Murphy. And it's like, no, it's just a bunch of stunt drivers and the second unit director. But you could, if you go back and watch it, you can see a bunch of people, like, literally, like, tracking with the camera. Like, well, the truck's going here, the truck's going there. It's kind of cool. Uh, no, I never, I never noticed that. I might do that next time I watch this. 
I could watch this like every week. This movie for some reason. Once a year for sure. Oh yeah, I watch it probably once a year. Um, but it's one of those ones where it's very rewatchable. There's nothing wrong. With the, yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> What it does, still holds what up. Doesn't work? <laughs> Nothing. Um, all right. Uh, I'll bet there's some stuff. I'll I, bet there's some stuff. I, this movie has been with me so long. I I honestly can't remember the first time I saw it. I can actually. I I probably saw it at a friend a friend's house with who had like HBO more than likely. I had it on like everything almost everything we talk about on here. Um, it was taped off of like the ABC Sunday Night Movie. Okay. Um, and the summer between sixth and seventh grade, I watched this movie. Probably twenty times. Yeah, and it's, so there's a TV edit, so yeah, that kind of sucks. But when you don't know any different, at so the, the time. so it, on my version, the, the Beverly Palm Hotel allowed no Negroes, <laughs> <laughs> according to Rolling Stone magazine's Axel Foley. <laughs> right. <laughs> the nerve of some people, right? <laughs> Excuse me, do you have a reservation for an Axel Foley? Which, Stone? by the way, is the only racism that exists in this movie. Correct. No one else. It's. He's just a dude in a world. Yeah. Sorry. Because it's true. Because when I was talking this over with Lisa, she was like, I don't see Beverly Hills Cop as a racial tent like movie compared to 48 Hours. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's definitely not. No, the only no. the only anything yeah. close to being racist is when he says the N-word about himself in the, in the – Trying to get a room at the Beverly – Palm and he whatever. has to he has to pull the race card to call their bluff. You know, yeah. I mean that's what's kind of funny oh, about sir, it. Sir, we do have a cancellation. <laughs> sir, I'd probably it's, it's jet lag or something. <laughs> I just love his face too when they tell him it's like two hundred and thirty nine dollars a night. And he's <laughs> like, so fucking. This is the Eddie Murphy movie. I'm pretty sure that the not the same room, but the same rate for the room that he got is got to be like oh god twelve hundred bucks now. Yeah, easily. Yeah. <laughs> this has top ten easily. My one of my favorite. Opening credit sequences and then opening scenes. That song by Glenn Fry. Yeah. God, dude, it mm, it captures Detroit. Like I said, I, I feel like they spared no expense with this movie until they needed a bunch of police cars for the Detroit police, and it feels like they just slapped on stickers <laughs> at the end. Yeah, on yeah. the on the doors. Yeah, Detroit police. Hmm. Really? <laughs> no one's gonna give a shit. The only people that are going to care are the ones that have watched it 150 times and then point that out. Now, I'm like, okay, I get that if they actually thought that. See, I haven't gotten there yet. I just got to the point of looking at all the extras on the stoops in Detroit. Yeah. And all I'm, I'm looking at the cop cars, chasing them all down, and um, I just go, no, that does not look like what a cop car I believe would look like in Detroit in 1984. Not compared to the police vehicles you see in Los Angeles or Beverly Hills or whatever. It just didn't look like a police car. Do you think after the filming of that opening scene, they just left they, all that wreckage just laying there and said, fuck no it. One. Do you really think <laughs> no, anyone's going to care? No one. I don't even think they'll really notice, Ted. Let's just let's just get the mic cables and the cameras and get I out do of here. know that um, they backed they, out like they, Homer Simpson. Well, the what makes that that truck chase so iconic is it's not just that it's destroying every vehicle in its path, which was reinforced by like a steel beam. And that's why it never crushes. It crushes itself. It crushes all the cars. It's the double trailer. Cause that adds a little it's bit of freewheel and danger to yeah, it. You're yeah. like, my God, I can't believe he, it's not just a semi. It's and a then semi it finally, with it finally, two trailers. It finally breaks its kingpin and just goes careening off into the, yeah. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Foley. We should have known it was you. Uh, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I can laugh. 
What what I really like, even with a character that is on screen for less than five minutes, maybe three. Detective Todd? No. Detective Todd's great. But what I love is his buddy Mikey, even though you know him for three minutes yeah. and they kill him, you feel for him. You feel that weight. You yeah. feel the weight of – you feel the weight of he's in way over his head. And then the guy from 48 Hours turns up and kills him and then ends up wrecking the buffet at the Harrow Club. <laughs> well, because. Um, all I want to say is Mike Ermatrout because that's his character's name in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. <laughs> I can't think of his name off the top of my Not head. Not Al Bundy. <laughs> he has hair in this movie. But yeah, he plays bit. such a nasty thug in Beverly Hills Cop and then plays the cop that, that gets, gets killed. Gets, gets killed. In 48 hours. Comes two years, back from life. Two years Comes early. back from death. Comes back from life. <laughs> Comes back from life. Right. <laughs> uh, but I feel more for that character and the connection between him and Eddie Murphy than I do One thing I about love about this movie. Nicholas Cage's character. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Uh, Nick Nolte's character in 48 hours. You sure. Know? Yeah. What I love about this movie, and it comes from the way this movie came to be, which we'll get into in, in trivia, but it wasn't initially – Intended for a, a black guy to play Axel. It was supposed to be St- Stallone. Stallone, who wanted to change the name of his character to uh, Axel Cobretti. Yeah. Which he just basically took that nut of an idea and moved it into Cobra for like two years later. Yeah, and made a terrible – Yeah. Mostly anyway, terrible movies. It does, it does a couple of things. It completely just – a black guy, an Italian guy, and a white girl can be friends in Detroit. And that can happen in Detroit. Yeah. And it just it, – it elevates – like we've, we've – we're two very pale, very old white guys talking about – Old enough. What we know about race or whatever, but – it just it just shows on screen, and that was a powerful thing in the in the early mid '80s to show that a black dude and an Italian guy and a skinny ass white girl were all they were just friends from the neighborhood. Yeah, and that's, they probably went that's to a, school together. That's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. That's America. Like that's that's an American. Sadly, <laughs> we have to we have to really illustrate it. <laughs> it's a fucking thing. But I just love that relationship between the two of them because they were both just they were, they weren't bad kids. They were just hoods. You know what I mean? They stole right. a car. Yeah. One went to the police force and one went to L.A. and yeah. stole some Deutsche Bear bonds. Yeah. Bond, bear bonds. They're bonds. You know. I have something that doesn't work. You pause like you challenge I me. don't. I have nothing. Okay. Literally nothing. It's very small, but it's also very big. It would add just a touch more realism. If you're going to go to the extreme of showing on, on camera, in frame... Al, not Al Bundy. Shoot Mikey. Need a little more blood? Use a squib. Yeah. They should have used a squib. That would have been... It the... was two shots, too. That's the thing. Did he double tap? I can't remember. He shot, he... and then he shot again. I don't know if it was a double tap, because he grabs the back of his head. It's a rough scene, once. dude. It's... it's Even for the time. It was two. But either way, yes. For the time, it's a rough blood scene. Blood should have smacked on, splattered uh, on the just wall. Just a touch of pop, pop on the wall would have sent it home. Mm-hmm. Now... I mean, it was already rated R, so it wouldn't have gotten you any. And was that wasn't pornographic. It wasn't close up. You know, it was in a a long shot. So I, that's that's the only thing I think I would change. Well, I get it. That's my a only little thing more that realism work. to it. Just a touch more. Yeah. Yeah. Is it weird seeing Paul Reiser so young in this one? This is not my Paul locker. Re- <laughs> this, 
<laughs> la, 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 la. Yeah. I am not listening to Jeffrey. <laughs> no, I, Paul Reiser is timeless to me. Yeah. And until that, uh, that cameo bit he did on that uh, season arc of the Comiskey Method, where oh yeah, he looks like an old Jew grandpa, and it's like fuck. Does he have long? Did he have long hair too? Yeah, right? I'm sure it's a wig, yeah. but it's like but, fuck. Yeah. That's Paul Reiser. It's he, more he's jarring. great in it, but man. It's more jarring it's so to see him old than un- it is to see him young. Yeah, it's... Because I'm used to him in Aliens. It's a little unsettling. You know? Yeah. Uh, no, he's great. Talk about another quick part. What is he in it for maybe six minutes? If that. If that. He's in the sequel too, right? Uh, it's been a while since i Your partner Mario two. Andretti Friedman. It's been just yeah, as long as I've He's seen in the sequel too. because Axel's driving the Ferrari around Detroit before he gets the call that Bogomil gets shot okay. in the sequel. We'll talk about that at a later time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think Eddie Murphy has so much more range in this film. Two Absolutely. years later, absolutely. Two years later, I think he's figured out how to play the funny. lighthearted, the lighthearted guy, but is serious with a serious situation. Right. Yeah. I always thought it was just great because he could always turn on a dime. Yep. And he goes from comedic to dramatic, and actually pulls off sounding like he was a police officer, like. There's that sense of realism that he like, conveys. He doesn't want to have to break out the rule book on your ass, but, but if he has to, yeah. he can get 15 federal agents down here with codes in 15 minutes if I'm not cooperated with. Is that understood? Don't don't, don't be upset, detective. All right, so it's, uh, it's probably just, hurry up quicker. Yeah, that's what I wrote down here. I'm like Axel Foley, bullshit artist extraordinaire. <laughs> uh, when I when Lisa and I were watching this the other night, she was like, "It's amazing people who have confidence." And convey authority can push other individuals into doing whatever needs to be done if you are gullible enough. I used to have a boss that that said, if you are asked a question and you say your answer with enough confidence, people will believe you. Yeah. But it's amazing how you, he can... We have a president like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll cut that out. Don't worry. <laughs> Maybe <Sorry>. not. <laughs> That's a good laugh from you. I might. I might not. We removed this joke for your safety. <laughs> Voting is important. And while we here at Six Pack Double Feature encourage you to vote every chance you get, we're not going to tell you which way you should vote. Get out there and exercise your right. Now back to the show. <laughs> Do you have a favorite line or scene? Starting with this crate right here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, what now? Favorite? Uh, you have a favorite line or scene? I have a couple. I have a couple as well. I'll read off my line, just because I was struggling with any one specific. There are a lot that are memorable, but when when uh, Axel gets picked up by Jenny at the police station, uh-huh. is this your car? Oh no! In Beverly Hills, we just take the car that's closest. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, the other day. On the fucking street. I'm not making this up one bit. I got passed by a crappy blue Chevy Nova. No way. I'm not fucking kidding you. That's nice. Sky blue fucking Chevy Nova. And then I said, look at all that shit. Must have happened last time you parked at the Beverly Palm Hotel. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. That is, that's my favorite line. Before we go to my favorite scene, I say, uh, you tell me what your favorite lines are. So uh, I don't know that I could do a favorite line, so I kind of have a couple of favorite scenes. There's not it. like – it's 
delivery, but it's like a back and forth. I mean, forth my favorite my favorite line that I think most encapsulates oh, this shit happened. <laughs> is is yeah, that's my favorite line that most encapsulates Axel is when he he rolls up to one of the swankiest spots in in the swankiest part of the country. To with a his, country club with his with his busted ass seventy two sky blue Chevy Nova and he's wearing jeans and a cut off sweatshirt right uh, yeah charcoal yeah. gray whatever sweatshirt and he goes yeah yeah absolutely but uh, be careful because uh, last time I parked here all this shit happened the last time I parked here that's Hi, just the sir? most yes but <laughs> all this shit happened last time I parked here that's just the most that encapsulates that character the most mm-hmm. to me but one of my favorite scenes is when he first gets into town and he's just driving down Rodeo just that montage. Of him and the juxtapose of him in that fucking car, like, and the music. There's, there's yeah, yeah, and the music. There's two Americas in this movie. There's the fake ass fucking Beverly Hills America, and then there's the working class fucking dirtbag Midwest America where Axel's from, and he's he's a stranger in a strange land, right? Kind of, so to speak. I, I just and but he's. He doesn't feel that chip on his shoulder or anything. He's just like, man, this is gorgeous. This is just, this is nuts. And I think... <laughs> it's another it's a montage scene but uh, it might even be just at the end of that whole greater arc of the stir it up him driving down Rodeo. I'm almost certain they played that song twice the Patty I think song. I think they did they hit it well, once and then it kind of fades down he has a little interaction and then and when he has to go up. somewhere else yeah, he hits comes, it again they hit it again yeah it's almost like a um, toward the end of that whole sequence where he's walking he's walking down the street and he sees the two dudes walking past him and they're both wearing like one looks like Michael Jackson or wearing a suit that would look like Thriller or well, whatever. Well, he's wearing a red leather yeah. thing like oh, Eddie Murphy like wore in Delirious. Delirious. And then he stops and then and doubles laugh. over and laughs. laughs. I I wonder if that wasn't like one of the costume people or somebody on the on the cast going like no 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 put this on and walk towards him. It'd be fucking hilarious because he'll It'll either be delirious. Yeah, <laughs> this shit will be delirious. <laughs> um. What's really funny about the uh, it also felt like it kind of just happened and they left it in like yes. he was walking and saw. You them, wonder like, if it it feels natural. It doesn't feel like it was a hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like hey, it, it feels a good reaction. Yeah. Like, from no, me. fuck! Did you see those guys dressed like Eddie? And then he fucking laughed at him. Leave that shit in. Leave that shit in. That's great. Leave that in. One of the interesting bits that I do know regarding the soundtrack is that there were there's two Patty Labelle songs on the soundtrack. There's this one, which is great, Stir and then up. there's one called New Attitude, which is not as good. New Attitude's a great song, it's, though. But it does – when you hear that song, do you think of – do you think of this? No, I think of the uh, of me when I was a kid first hearing it, and I changed it to Nude Attitude. <laughs> I, I do that. They're both big singles off of this, this album. Apparently, the record label wanted New Attitude as the big song, and they actually let it up to the director to decide if they were going to play New Attitude – or stir it up, and I'm like, stir it up works so much stir better for that. So much more Detroit. But if you look at the listings on the actual soundtrack, the number side A track one, New Attitude. That was supposed to be the lead off, the lead off, hmm. the big song from this. And I see that as like way down on the bottom of everything else that was on this soundtrack. Let alone the fact that there's like four or five songs that 
no one's ever heard of because half the time they fill those soundtracks with songs that filler are were never even well, in the film. It's funny you mention a song that's on the soundtrack because I do actually have a clip for my favorite scene. Okay. Sit tight, Billy. You're some kind of cop, you know that? I fucking love that scene, dude. A couple of things happen there. It's a little more... He goes from humor to serious. Like, like he knows how to flip that switch when... But he knows how to, like... He's from the... He's straight up from the mean streets, dude. Yeah. And he knows how to, to pull a character real quick. And he does his best Richard Pryor wino. <sighs> I wasn't thinking to that pull he was that doing... dude to to kind of verbally disarm that dude long enough to yeah throw a couple of elbows in his I face. I was never thinking that he was doing a but Richard Pryor though. What? Yeah, he, he's doing a, he's doing a bit of Richard Pryor wino impression there. Um, but my favorite thing about that scene is that's when they finally figure out that he's a good guy. Yes, Rosewood and Taggart figure out that he's not he's not on some just pure revenge trip. He's there's more to Axel than than what's going than on. what's and going they, on, right? And they 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 finally trust him for a second, and they realize he's he's legit. no bullshit. Yeah, he's no no bullshit this time. But he's still doing the nods <laughs> in the head, and and I have I don't know how many times I've just seen an old friend and went like Phil, it's Philip, Philip. I told you it's Philip. You liar, Phil. <laughs> give me a kiss, baby. <laughs> you changed. You changed, man. You changed. <laughs> That's uh, it's a fun scene. It's a lot happens. It's funny. It's serious. And it, 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 it's a good character turn for the three main main people. So that's that's my f- and there's boobies in it. So oh, a little warm outside for wearing uh, raincoats or trench coats or whatever. Leather jackets. Leather jackets. That's my favorite. That's my favorite scene. Well, it's favorite it's, favorite. Scene it's funny that you mentioned it because my favorite scene is really two parts, and the first is what we just talked about. Okay. And the second leads right in after this. Taggart, would you mind explaining to me what you and Rosewood were doing in a strip bar out of our jurisdiction when you were still on duty? Sir, before you chastise these two officers, I think it's something you should know. The only reason that they were at a strip bar is because they were tailing me and I went to this place. Now, these two officers were sitting outside wondering what I was doing. I wasn't having a good time. I'm into things like that. Anyway... These guys waited outside, and the only reason that they came in was because they saw two suspicious-looking gentlemen with bulges in their jackets going into the place. 
Well, it turns out that these guys were going to commit a robbery, sir. These men watched them, waited for them to make their move, and then they foiled a crime. I did not know what was going on. I was watching the show having fun. I'm still freaked out by it. You must have a sixth sense. I don't know what you teach these fellows, but they're not just regular cops, okay? They're super cops. And the only thing missing on these guys are capes. Is this what really happened? No, sir. Would someone like to tell me what really happened? <clears throat> well, Foley invited us to this bar. And we accepted. Uh, we ordered club sodas, sir. Right. And while we were there, Foley observed the two suspects casing the establishment. And before we knew what was going on, he'd already disarmed one of them. Detective Foley deserves all the credit for the arrest, sir. Detective Foley, we appreciate your assistance, but in the future, if you want to practice law enforcement, I would prefer you did it in Detroit. I understand, sir. I'm sorry. But before I go, I just want you two to know something, all right? That the super cop story was working, okay? It was working, and you guys just messed it up, okay? I'm trying to figure you guys out, but I haven't yet. But it's cool. It's a fuck up, perfectly good lie, and it's all right. There's uh, no amount of disappointment I can convey by stating that um, while editing this episode and seeing that it ended at an hour and ten minutes, <clears throat> I realized... The... We talk longer than that. Yeah, and we definitely wouldn't just end on a clip. So here we are two weeks later. Finishing this episode. Because evidently, the comp- I know I fucking hit record because I had to re-record my magic wand, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. And it's a produced little bit. And I know it was, I played it for you yeah. in the room that day. Yeah, you said, hey, can you come in here in five more minutes? And so, I said, all right. So I just sat outside with Baseball the practice. <laughs> uh, so not sure what happened, but... We're here to finish up this. <laughs> well, let me go back to what I was reiterating at the end of my favorite scene anyway. Sure. Uh, it's not really reiterating since you guys are hearing this for the first time, but you, you're what? reiterating it to me. <laughs> I know that, that you can see the two, the two guys, um, uh, Judge Reinhold and I think it's John Ashton. John They're Ashton. B- Ashton. I always get those two. Yeah. Wrong guy. Uh, <laughs> Um, Judge was pe- pinching his leg from his pocket, and you can yeah. see Ashton is like pinching like the bridge of his nose, looking down like God. I can't trying do to look this like take. he's being. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't do. I cannot do another take. Um, the other thing that I really like is that you get that smirk from Ronnie Cox. Yes, and you know, yes. and you know that um, Bogomil yes. is not as much of a hard ass as. You initially he's think a he dude. Might. He's like, a dude. He was a dude at one point. Like yeah. he was a fucking gumshoe. I was there. Or I was and it's there almost once. like a fatherly approval of like, I don't know. Did you ever have a, like a friend's it dad was working? Did you <laughs> did you ever have a friend's dad that like called you and your friend out on some bullshit? But he was like the cool dad. He didn't flip out and yell. But he was like, "What are you boys doing?" And you guys tried to give him some bullshit story. And he was like, "Listen, <clears throat> I'm going to give you one more chance to tell me what was going on." Better be the truth this time, because I will be calling your parents to make sure you've made it home and <laughs> telling them that 
Did you, ever have, did you ever have a situation like that? No. I don't know what you're talking about. We definitely didn't talk about it before. Well, a third time. Now. For a third time that a tennis ball may have been had a hole drilled into it and filled with gasoline and when he kicked it and it made a stripe of fire like I tried DeLorean to, and Back of the Future. I tried to take uh, <laughs> it was either alcohol or hairspray and draw a crow in our driveway oh. and light it on fire. Didn't work. I mean, it, the, the, it lit on fire, but... But you it, couldn't see the crow no. part. Uh, yeah. I was very let down. <laughs> Standing out take there. Take some artistry to that one. Listening to The Cure. <laughs> trying to make the crow happen. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, okay, look. I love that our two scenes are basically like a super scene. They are a super scene. Because you started playing, I'm like, oh, oh, interesting. Because half of my scene starts with the middle of yours... Yes. Phil! <laughs> Philip! <laughs> I told you it was Philip, you liar! Yeah. Because you. Give me it, a kiss, baby. It's so fun to just have those kind of butt into each other. But they're just. They have. This movie has so many of just those perfect standalone three to five minute scene where you can just watch it. It's encapsulates, encap, encapsulates everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And so. Um, the second one does that too. Does Beverly it? Hills Cop it's is. so long since I've seen two. I mean, it's a lesser movie, but it's it's solid. It's Tony Scott too, and it's got Bridget Nielsen. Well, there you go. I now that you say that, it feels like a Tony Scott movie. Huh. It's. I think the action is a little harder, if I remember correctly. A little bit. Or a little rougher, or more. It's it's almost just as funny. It just wasn't. Did you say? Well, before I mean, shit. Uh, before two weeks I ago? just to steal it out of my my own pocket. That's that that would be my similar would, equal <laughs> film would be Beverly Hills Cop Two. Murphy had more free reign. He did. And that's why it was not as he was not reined in. A he's bit. way better than Mike Myers, but I feel like he needs somebody to keep him in line. Yeah. Pay, yeah. Pull it back just pull, like five, ten percent. Yeah. Ed. Eddie. Okay. Eddie so, Murphy. Fuck you. Fuck you, Eddie. Sorry. <laughs> I think I had down here my um my comparable was actually another uh, fish-out-of-water story, but it's still Eddie Murphy, and it's Trading Places. Okay. Go back to Philadelphia in 1983, and when Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy have to end up getting swapped roles, Mm -hmm. you know, and you throw him into the financial district, and you make Dan Aykroyd a bum. It's it's just as funny. It's just different. It's just full comedy. Is that... Who directed that? Oh, that was... um, Whoever did the werewolf movie. John Landis. Thank you. Okay, God, I knew it was, was John not, Landis. It was just, Landis, yeah. He had several good hits in the 80s. Until he killed that guy and those kids. <laughs> it was horrible. So, if you uh, could make <laughs> one change to the film, your magic wand, what... Just, mine was... Well, <laughs> uh-huh. at first I was like, I want this movie to be a little bit longer. I wanted more. Sure, sure. And then I realized that, no, this movie is almost perfect Eddie Murphy film, and adding to it may wear out its welcome a bit, so I didn't want to make any changes to this. I never tire of this movie, so it's it's like with a lot of movies we talk about, any change you make would just be for fun, just to be like, well, what happens if I put this Lego here kind of thing? But, well, can I play something for you? Yeah. Okay. Hot on the case, Axel tails one of Victor's goons, discreetly despite the size, shape, and condition of the sky-blue Chevy Nova. You see, Axel had a hunch. He knew that this guy was going to take him right to the warehouse where the German bearer bonds were being kept. And, in any case, it didn't matter. Axel had his two most important weapons with him. His forty-five, and more importantly, his wits. 
Axel quietly shut the dented door to the Chevy Nova and crept around the backside of the warehouse. Stanwick had asked me to kill him. But why? If he only had six months left to live, I think he'd want to be on a beach somewhere. Perhaps the Underhills account at the Beverly Hills Racket Club had enough room for me to find out. I just hope I haven't lost my serve. I love Harold Faltermeyer. <laughs> I would make it a... No, that's... You'd... <laughs> I would make it a crossover. Like, that not a crossover, but like, I think I said it in um, the Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin episode, like where... We didn't do Dumb and Dumber, but it was a Kingpin episode with... The, my, but, Lebowski. Oh, yeah, Lebowski. Well, my... Anyway. my one of my magic wands or something I would change would be like, as as Claudia, Roy, and Ishmael are driving, you see them just driving like in a one-shot. Are they the, driving along? They're driving along. And in the background, going the opposite way, you see the Mutt Cuts car. <laughs> Basically making <laughs> it just kind of... Yeah. Okay, then. Not only are they happening in the same universe, but they're happening like on the same day. <laughs> so like I would have like a camera like just aimed at like i'd have the camera aimed at like wilshire or something in la and like axel drives through and you hang with axel for a second and the camera does like a and then goes the other way and it's fletch driving in his car (laughs) just like just like you're changing channels no that would be awesome that's fun i like that so that's Um, my that's my magic wand it's just something fun that i thought about i think there's only a couple left here recasting how about maitland touches the fucking crate with his bare hands the crate full of cocaine and coffee he does? Yeah. I guess I never paid He it. does. He, I never paid attention to that. This is a man trying to kill your friend. He's a pretty nice guy. Which actually... Tommy boy. Talking about Maitland, that, that, bring, that does bring me to recasting, so you go ahead. I have two sets. I recast uh, Billy Rosewood, John Taggart, and obviously Axel Foley. Okay, because um, I couldn't. I couldn't recast Axel Foley. It's it's difficult, but I lucked out. Okay. Um, and Luckily, I drink well, enough that I don't remember what you said last week. So. Well, that's great too. Um, my benefit was I had uh, Lisa kind of help me with one of the sets of recasts. So it was fun. Um, if we just go same setup, just new actors, uh, but maybe make it a little more modern. I uh-huh. would put um, Axel Foley. I would have Donald Glover play Axel Foley. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I could I, I could see that. And then for Billy Rosewood, Matt Damon, and John Taggart, Ben Affleck. Because I could see them playing the would they be, of an old married couple. Would they do Southie? They could. Just put it in Boston. South Boston cop. <laughs> it would totally be... Yeah, that would be very different. Some foul-mouthed jack from out of town. <laughs> out of town. Out of town. How do you say it? I don't know. Right. You have to call James in here. He might know. Southie cop. <laughs> That's good. Southie cop. Southie cop. Just Southie. Southie. Just call it Southie. Okay. Um, I did one other grouping, and it was just a complete gender swap. Normally, I don't do this. Normally, this is your game, but this one kind of inspired. Uh, I think Lisa inspired uh, a couple of these, and so I put um, Axel Foley. I have as Leslie Jones. Okay, from SNL and Ghostbusters, right. the female um, Ghostbusters. And okay. then you could have like Barbara Rosewood. Played by Amy Poehler. Barb Rose. Barbie. Barbie. They would call her Barbie. Yeah, and then Jane Taggart would be Tina Fey. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah. What would that one be called? Um, I don't know. Beverly Hills Cop. It's a great title. It's a great title. Let's go with it. We should go with that. I don't know if we mentioned earlier, but they do that thing in this movie where they say the title of the movie is part of dialogue. 
It is. Billy's a Beverly Hills cop. My recasting, I couldn't. I couldn't do Axel Foley. Yeah, I couldn't. I, it's, it was difficult. It was you. You nailed it both times. So, um, so for Victor Maitland, I went Anthony Hopkins. Oh, all right. Like same era, Anthony same Hopkins. Era. Yeah, he would nail that role really well. For the guy that was in Forty Eight Hours and Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, and like, I can't think of the actor's name, but his name in the in that show is. Uh, Michael Ermatrout or yep, something like Ermitrout, that. Ermatrout, yep. Um, I went with Al Bundy, Ed O'Neill. <laughs> same era? He kind of looks yeah, like an actually, Al Bundy. Same yeah, same era, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, for Rosewood, I went Alan Ruck, um, like Ferris Bueller era Alan Ruck. Gerald McCraney for Taggart. Wait, that's, just went like a one-to-one like facial look. For Bogomil, I went Richard Pryor. In Beverly Hills. Richard Pryor? In Beverly Hills. Absolutely. In 1984. Wearing the three-piece suit. Fuck yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, it's different, but I think it would work. Like, he doesn't buy Foley shit, but Either. in a slightly different way. <laughs> kind of not like a, a passing of the torch? Kind of, but he's not like a stiff-ass white dude kind of way. Okay. Like, he, Richard Pryor's Bogomil would be a mix between Ronnie Cox's Bogomil and uh, Inspector Todd. Because he... It would be funny seeing Richard Pryor play white because he has that down when if you've seen any of his stand up when he just gets that voice. I love when white dudes get mad and cuss, Because right? y'all are some funny motherfuckers when you cuss. Right? They be saying shit like, yeah, come on, peckerhead. Come on, you fucking jerk off. Come on. Son of a bitch, come on. Fucking A, right, buddy. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> it would just—it wouldn't even be funny to see Richard Pryor. It would just be great to see Richard Pryor again. Yeah, I miss him. Um, does the, it still hold up? It does, but I have to talk about for a second the scene. <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about how much this movie made my dad laugh. The scene where Billy, after all the bullshit at the end. Billy okay. stands up. <laughs> There's like 30, like, <laughs> I don't know, guns, but machine gun armed thugs. Oh, and they, he holds up. Police, you're all under arrest. And they, well, actually, it's the first time. And they all go like. It is the first time. And right. they lay waste to it. And he, he drops back down and Taggart goes, Billy, you do that again, I'll shoot you myself. My dad fucking lost it. <laughs> It's such a cowboy. Well, doesn't he also reference like Butch, Butch, and, Sund- Butch and Sundance? Billy, we got to talk. <laughs> Do you know how the movie ends, right? <laughs> oh, it's great. So, yeah, it, it holds up for me. Um, I think it has great pacing. It feels like it's 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 almost like the standard, like it's set the standard for an 80s blockbuster action comedy. It yeah, has a killer sure. it has a killer soundtrack, even if half the songs you've never heard before and suck, the other half are so good, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Um it's the perfect popcorn pleasing eighties movie. It doesn't require deep thinking. It doesn't have an over involved plot. It's straightforward. It hits all of its beats. Set it up, it, knock it down. It gets out before it wears out its welcome. Yep. It's it's the quintessential Eddie Murphy movie. And I think this is the film that really launched him into the stratosphere, and I feel that he's pretty much been trying to get back there ever since. 
I think you're right. <clears throat> it's the it is the apex. This like of of the mountain range. It is of the movies and things that Eddie Murphy has done. So he peaked with his third movie. Yeah, it's the Paramount. <laughs> <laughs> It's his paramount. <coughs> I don't. There's there's really not a movie that's equal to this. But no. Similar. I I did say Beverly Hills Cop too because it mm-hmm. kind of carries the same tone and is. I think it's a very fitting sequel. Right. Because um, the people have all seemed to have grown um, in their roles. So I would suggest I would suggest that. Um, as far as still hold up, absolutely. I first saw this the summer between sixth and seventh grade, and I I easily watch it once or not twice a year. It's like you said, it's the pinnacle Eddie Murphy movie. It's the one he's going to be most easily identifiably remembered for. Followed closely by Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh. <laughs> that was Wes uh, Craven. Did you know that? I did. I did. I forgive them both for it because they've done so much other good things. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the soundtrack. The soundtrack is an absolute thumper. Uh, I have it on vinyl. Good friend of mine, Andrea Turner, and her husband Corey got it for me just because I guess they think. I think I bought it a couple of years ago and shared it at one point. I got it for a couple of bucks just off of eBay. It's great. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not expendable. Expendable. They're not expensive. No, they're not expensive <laughs> not anymore. Well, half the songs are crap, but the other half is so good it's worth buying the LP regardless. So before this fucking computer dips out on us again, sorry to rush the last bit of this episode, guys, but. Uh, we're going to split. We're going to do a chaser here. Um, Nathan, dig into the old uh, bag of chasers. <laughs> Dynamite. Okay. Here you go. Thanks. All right. Let me open. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Well, this is esoteric. All right. Will Helm in Pennsylvania wants to know. <sighs> Will. <laughs> Willie, can I see you for a minute? <clears throat> Best Bond. Best Bond. That's all it says is Best Bond. Well, I'm sorry, it's at Wilhelm in Pennsylvania. So, <laughs> Best Bond. Um, I feel like I need to come in with a scream on this answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's probably where it came from. Uh, um, I guess overall, let's, we'll take his question and edit it. Best overall Bond. Best overall Bond with the worst... Wilhelm, you have no idea how fitting the question is. I really don't want to say the name because it it plays into all of his movies, which I I only like one of the four. But I really think that Pierce Brosnan was really good Bond. He just had really bad movies. Okay, I'm going to go with Pierce. I'm not I'm not happy with that answer, but I really like him as a James Bond. You know what, dude? I'm going to agree with you because after. I'm sorry for the cop out answer, but it's the. You had a copycat, man. The most. I think Brosnan encapsulates all of the stuff that Bond, between the the books and the movies, is. He's a sexist. He's kind of brutal. He's a little dark. He's quippy. The best, uh, but version, he's dedicated to his job. The best version of him is in the the third one, which I really. It's like half good, half bad. Gold member. Uh, <laughs> no, I love gold. Um, the world is not enough. He was a great Bond in that movie, and the movie in itself is half good. And see, right? Until Denise Richards shows up. Shows up. Yeah. yeah, Charlie Sheen's ex-wife. Oh yeah. Well, she dodged uh, a bullet. Hope he, literally and figuratively. Hope he maybe. wore a condom. Condom. <laughs> 
I bet she does too. So I guess we both say Pierce Brosnan. Sorry. Yeah. That's really, it's bad too, considering that says something to Pierce, considering that he's, it does. he's, he's hidden at like 25%. So, you know, <laughs> he's hitting F. 250. That's an F. I mean, if he's batting, he's, he's, he's in the majors, but he's, he's in the, he's in he, the show, but. You know, he's not going to have a his, his trading he, card's not as valuable as say your Roger not, Clemens. He is probably not going into the Hall of Fame. He's not going to have a placard <laughs> at the end of his career. So yeah, that's okay. Good Bond, bad movies. Speaking of Bond and bad movies, next week we got a pair of Timothy Dalton Bond movies. One good, one not so good. I think we'll agree upon which ones those are as well. <laughs> I think we all know. But you'll find out in a week. Um, yeah, so next week we're doing Timothy Dalton's uh, outing as Bond. We're doing The Living Daylights and License to Kill. Look forward to that. That'll be a fun conversation. Have fun streaming those. I, I love that when we uh, both posted about the movie, we both did a uh, screenshot of the same scene of... Uh, I can't remember the character's name now, with the short hair. Yeah. Jacking off, making the jack off thing. Shaken, not stirred. Your joke was different Shaken, than mine, but not stirred. Not stirred. Um, yeah, you turned mine into a boomerang. No, I no, I I took. Oh, it, did I, you? Mine, mine was a separate boomerang. I was just okay. saving it for when for something else. Oh, yeah. how funny! No, yeah. I didn't know that. You um, shared the the masks, and that bond was ahead of his time. <laughs> COVID eighty nine. Yeah. Too much to drink, Mr. Bond? Um, we don't want to make addicts out of our clients. I can't tell if you're smiling under that mask. <laughs> would, would that be an N89 mask? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. If it was N95, then it would be Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the... Uh, Sorry about the distortion there, but uh, hey, listen, we're, gang, we're gonna get out of here um, before this thing drops. Before again. this thing drops for the fifteenth fucking time in the last twenty minutes. Uh, check us out on socials, Facebook. Buy a, buy a sticker, buy a T-shirt. Reach out to us on Facebook. Give us your chasers, Lisa dot sixpack at gmail dot com. Any uh, future ideas for pick sixes? If you want to be on one, give us a shout. Let us know. Um, it's a weird world out there, gang, and there's no real James Bond to save us, so... Uh, stay six feet apart from everyone. And most importantly, stay off the moves. is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. Fuck you!